There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Tuesday, September 20th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, school systems across the country are navigating how to respect the rights of children who identify as transgender, while also keeping the concerns of their classmates and families in mind. In Virginia, Governor Glenn Youngkin took a big step in one direction proposing that the state's Department of Education require kids use programs and facilities that, quote, match the sex they were assigned at birth. The proposal, released Friday, got nearly immediate pushback. The parental consent part is the murky water, mm-hmm. right? Is the part of schools have to inform parents. So that is really the thing that school districts are scrutinizing and figuring out. WTOP Scott Gelman spoke with parents from Northern Virginia on both sides of the issue. A Loudoun County dad. Definitely a step in the right direction of making sure that parents are fully informed of the kind of things that, that could happen at school that, you know, could have life-changing effects for their children. And a Fairfax County mom. You know, we're parents too, and we're, who's including our perspective? So it just feels like a scary time to be a parent of a transgender kid. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Megan Cloherty. Governor Glenn Youngkin expanded parental rights last week, proposing a new rule that would require trans students to first get their parents okay in order to change their names and genders in school. Without a parental sign-off, the students' hands are tied. WTOP Scott Gelman talked to two parents on either side of this issue, and they feel strongly. One whose child is transgender, attending school in Fairfax County, and another whose child is in Loudoun County School and leads a parent group there. Scott, thanks for being here, and tell us what these parents told you. Yeah, thanks as always for having me. And it's a bit of a complicated issue that boils down to who you speak to, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm. I spoke to a couple of parents, some school board folks, the teachers union in Fairfax County. We spoke to a student over the weekend just to kind of gauge what the student perception is. And there are really two camps here, right? I feel like we talk about some of these issues in Virginia and there are always two sides. So you have the students and parents who are largely saying that they are frustrated by this, right? That it is an attack on something that is a freedom going to school, being able to pick the bathroom that you were able to use, not having to explain yourself when it comes to gender identity. And then you have the other camp, which basically says that Governor Glenn Youngkin campaigned on the issue of education. And he said that one of the things he was going to do in several realms, not just this one regarding transgender policies, is to give parents more input. And that's right. what this is. Right. So so tell us which parents you spoke with, just so we know their names and kind of their affiliations. And then what was their um, reaction? Because to your point, the governor said he was going to make a move on this and now it's happening. So it's not necessarily a surprise, but what, what was their take on it? Right. So to start with... What seems to be, if you really only exclusively look at social media, right, that Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of backlash here. And so Laura Stokes is part of this organization, FCPS Pride, and is a a parent, as Luke said, of a Fairfax County student. And that conversation was largely based on fear, 
there's a lot of fear among parents of transgender kids in the state. I think we're all worried about our, whether our kids are going to be traumatized at school, whether they're going to be bullied, if this is going to empower bullying at school and make those people feel like they can just, you know, say or do whatever uh, to these kids and make them unsafe. Really, whatever, whenever gender identity comes up in conversations, right, you think about school and you think about relationships and friendships yeah, and yeah. all of these very mundane things to most people. And, and that is what is at the core of this issue for folks like her, who, who basically said, we're wondering if given these policies, we want to continue to send our child to school in Fairfax County. We have definitely talked at home about whether or not Virginia is still a safe place for us to live. Um, you know, once Glenn Youngkin took office, we really you know, wondered if if we could stay here. Like that is the level mm. uh, on one side of conversations that are going on right now. I think we feel angry because he talks about wanting to include the perspectives of parents, but you know, we're parents too. And we're, who's including our perspectives? Um, and so it just feels like a scary time to be a parent of a transgender kid, you know, that you're trying to support. And we also, we're also wondering when is it going to stop? Like, this doesn't feel like the end. I think I, I'm worried that there's going to be more attempts to infringe upon the rights of our children. And then you have the flip side. Not everyone is outraged. It's easy to think that when you look at social media, but right. not right. everyone is outraged yeah. about this, right? So then you look at folks like Ian Pryor, who is a Loudoun County parent. He is the executive director of the education advocacy group Fight for Schools. And he basically said very simply... Governor Yunkin told you on the campaign trail that he wanted to do this. And it's refreshing to see somebody campaign on something and then actually fulfill those campaign promises once in office. So, you know, everyone I've spoken to certainly is, is ecstatic that uh, the Virginia Department of Education has issued this model policy. Uh, it is definitely a step in the right direction of making sure that parents are fully informed of the kind of things that that could happen at school that, you know, could have life-changing effects for their children. And he went as far as to say that the real part of this that we should be talking about is the parental consent part, which is mm. whether schools can disclose to parents their student has changed their pronouns or gender identity. Parents need to be informed of these kind of issues with their children, full stop. And I think that is really the most important thing of these model policies. You know, it also discusses that bathrooms will continue, bathrooms and locker rooms will be segregated by sex. Uh, it discusses student pronoun use and that if parents want that to happen, then they can request it of the schools. Um, and it really just, you know, focuses on parental involvement and parental permission for some of the things that the previous administration was just letting the child do without involving the parents at all. And so as it is currently written under law that Governor Ralph Northam's administration introduced and, and policies that the Northam administration introduced, mm -hmm. you're looking at a scenario where schools on a case-by-case -case basis can decide whether to share that information with parents. Mm. And these policies say, no, you have to disclose this to parents. Which, you know, quite frankly, I think strike a, a, a good balance between, you know, protecting students but also making sure that parents remain in charge of the mental, emotional, and physical well-being of their children, especially when they're at school. Mm. But the student gets, I guess, a little bit less say here, because before, just to clarify, students could have changed their names and pronouns without their parents' consent. Right. 
and now that's changing. It's changing, and, and the key fundamental change here is under the current policy, schools are thought of as safe spaces, right, for lack of a better word, where perhaps for whatever reason a student is reluctant to share their gender identity or anything like that with their parents, mm. school is safe, right? And there might be a teacher that you confide in or a principal that you confide in or whoever a peer that you confide in, and, and now that part might be stripped away, really, because now you're basically saying your parents, even if you share this information with somebody at school, are mm -hmm. going to find out. Mm. And this issue fits into a broader picture of Youngkin's educational campaign. For those unfamiliar kind of with that campaign and political movement, how does that fit into the, this bigger story? So the really interesting parallel is the mask mandate, right? So huh. when Governor Youngkin took office, we were still in this talk of mask mandates and should kids wear masks and should there be vaccine requirements, sort of a different point in the pandemic at that point in time. And he basically said on the campaign trail, we need to keep schools open. This was a big Republican talking point, not just in Virginia, but across the country, that Absolutely. schools are safe, they need to be open, and mask mandates and any kind of mandate, parents should be able to choose whether mm -hmm. Johnny can go to school and has to wear a mask, right? And so the parallel here is really twofold. The first part is that it was a big part of the campaign, and then he took office, and Virginia schools lifted the mask mandate, and there were lawsuits, and all these school boards in Northern Virginia came together and sued, and there were amicus briefs filed, and it was this whole complicated issue whole yeah. before ultimately the mask mandate was dropped. Mm. And the parallel here is really interesting because my understanding from speaking with uh, school board folks this week is that the superintendents are spending the first chunk of this week talking to each other. Mm. And that if you were an attorney for a school board, that this is a very busy time for you because they are basically deciding, do we come together mm. again as like they, they did. did with the mask mandates? We're talking about Arlington, Alexandria, Loudoun, Prince William, Fairfax all of these Northern Virginia jurisdictions, mm -hmm. and do they come together again and say, we have to fight this policy? Mm. And we don't know yet. My understanding is we'll have a, a little bit better understanding of how those conversations went later this week. Mm -hmm. But the question is twofold in that, do you file a lawsuit just against this policy? Mm. And secondarily, do you wait until a student becomes impacted either emotionally or God forbid, physically, whatever it might be in a school, to use that case study as right. an example of why these policies are bad. And mm. you could argue this is more political than the mask update. Correct. Or the, and then the mask question, right? Because we're talking about our kids. What's well, both? It's yeah, I was about to say, they're both, I mean, they're both political. And they're both political and they're both health related. I mean, it's it's sort of, it's, it is interesting. It's a good parallel to pull. Um, the timing of this announcement was interesting. It was late Friday afternoon. Some people may have missed it, um, especially if you're not really plugged in in Northern Virginia as far as, you know, news from schools. This initially got pushback, not only from the Fairfax Teachers Union, who called it dangerous, but from State Superintendent Michelle Reed, who sent a letter to parents. Scott, what did she say in that letter? Yes. Yeah, so the, the preliminary letters to families are basically, and, and this is not just in Fairfax County, but really all the Northern Virginia school systems, is we're still looking into it, right? All transgender and other students are protected here. We have policies, which many of these northern jurisdiction, Northern Virginia jurisdictions do have policies that mm. protect students against things just like this. Right. And basically said, rest assured, you're safe. 
Nothing's changing. And by the way, we're looking into it. And what I, again, based on conversations, take looking into it to mean is we are figuring out if there is a legal course of action. Right. Mm. We should say Title IX of the Education Amendments Act of 1972 bans discrimination on the basis of sex by public schools. And the Supreme Court actually upheld that in 2020 in a case called Bostock versus Clayton County, that discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity is sex discrimination. That was laid out by the ACLU where I found that. Um, But it speaks again to the fear, I think, that you were mentioning before, how, you know, when you talk about your child, you want to do anything to protect your child. Right. And your child perhaps falls in this protected group. Okay, so why aren't we doing the most? I get that side. I also get the side of why is a protected group changing the school experience for perhaps the majority of kids? Right. And, and, you know, why is this having to be – why are we catering so much to such a small population? Right. It, it's just – it's fascinating. And, and going back to Laura and Ian, did they have anything more to say on that? Well, they did. And before I, before we get into that, I, I also have some numbers. So this is interesting timing oh, good, because yeah. the uh, in Fairfax County, every year they do an, a youth survey, right, which surveys – it's a partnership between the school system and the county government and asks all kinds of questions about – alcohol use and drug use and sexual uh, mental health habits and, mm. and sexual orientation and all of this, right? And so we know when we're talking about just Fairfax County, over 700 students said, yes, I identify as transgender. And another 900 said, I don't know if I'm transgender, right? So there was another option for no, I am not. But that is a look at some pretty recent data when mm. we're talking about it's easy to get lost in politics and broad policies and everything that's going on. But when you're looking at numbers, I mean, we're talking about a good number of students that are impacted or could be impacted by some of these changes. And that's one school district? And that's just Fairfax County. Hundreds of students. Hundreds. In Fairfax County alone. Mm. And so looking to the future and moving forward, when would this proposed policy actually take effect and what can parents do in the meantime? Yes. So there's a public comment period that is going to open on September 26th. And of course, We're being very careful about saying that these are proposed policies because nothing is finalized and could change after that public comment period. Mm -hmm. But after 30 days, in essence, these policies would then uh, become sort of the guidelines for local school boards to then have to adopt some variation of them. Hmm. And the interesting thing here is, Megan, you're talking about federal law and state law. So there are a few interesting components of this, right? So there is the part of this where federal law protects a student if they say, I identify as whatever it might be and I want to go into whatever bathroom I choose, right? So that's federally protected, right? Yeah. And then you have the Virginia Human Rights Act, which kind of protects the other part of it of no discrimination based on gender identity in a public place. And that is protected at the state level. And so the really interesting thing that I have learned from my conversations early this week is that the parental consent part is the murky water, Mm. right? Is the part of schools have to inform parents. Mm. And so that is really the thing that school districts are scrutinizing and figuring out how that's going to work. Is there a legal path here? And one of the interesting things about this is it might not actually go into effect after those 30 days because some legal scholars who have been critical and pointed out the things that Megan just did, federal law, state law, right, have said that if there is any sort of legal motion filed, they don't get adopted after that 30-day period because then all of a sudden you're in court. Mm -hmm. And so on paper, September 26th, public comment period opens. 30 days after that, every local school board has to create a variation of this. Mm -hmm. But 
we don't really know what the future is going to look like. It's also interesting to me, and maybe this is obvious to everyone else but me, but we're talking about minors. We're talking about people who obviously they have their own rights in our country, mm. but they technically cannot make their own decisions legally. Correct. So it, it does add that whole, like, that's the gray area you're talking about, right? Yep. I mean, the parent obviously has a role there to play, mm. but legally has a role there to play. Yes. Legally has a role to play, but then also you have a situation where this could get particularly interesting based on age, right? Because there are some high schoolers who are at a point where they are no longer technically, they can make their own decision. 18, but, yeah. Right. For the elementary school, the middle school, mm-hmm. you're all under your parents' purview. <laughs> Which goes mm. back to the mask mandate and how, like, you know, we <laughs> yeah. did different things for different ages. So it's so fascinating. And it There's strikes- such a parallel. Such a parallel there. And it strikes this chord about education, right? Parents give their kids to these organizations, these schools, for, like, the majority of the week. I mean, we're talking eight hours, five days a week, and parents don't get to see their kids. You know, it's kind of this place where they trust the school system to take care of their yeah, children. But yeah. that trust is fading, is melting. It, it, it's it's um, brittle at this point. So I asked Ian Pryor that question because we had a con- we were having a conversation about parent involvement in schools and education and board meetings, school board meetings have suddenly become the place to be on Thursday nights across Northern (laughs) Virginia, right? And so he said something to the tune of parents have woken up. And I said, well, what do you mean woken up? And also what is woken up look like? And what prompted this sudden desire to become more involved? Like, was it just COVID? Is that as simple as everyone was at home Mm. or is there more to it? And he said, well, if you think about it, you have a scenario with the pandemic where kids are at home and parents are working from home. And so parents really, for the first time, we were just talking about sending kids to school. Yeah. We're seeing for eight hours what their kids were doing, mm. what their teachers were saying, what the class conversations were like, what are the materials that are being used in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Right. And he said, you combine that with the political environment and mm-hmm. you get this scenario where parents feel empowered to want to be a part of this. Mm. Scott, as always, thank you so much for helping us understand these cultural, school, parental conversations and issues. Yeah, thanks for having me. And after the break, I'm going to share a tip that I will admit is pretty random, but it might help you the next time you're bored or in an awkward conversation. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like this show, give us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We love hearing from you guys, and your reviews really do help other listeners find this, our area's only in-depth daily local news podcast. And thank you for making us a part of your day. And before we go, Megan has some news you can use. I do. Okay, so this comes courtesy of my sister-in-law. Okay. Who, at the Thanksgiving dinner table, maybe like three years ago, Mm. said... I have a question. We were like, why are you saying it like that? (laughs) And she goes, it's this game questions. And I was like, this is just asking questions. Sounds redundant. No, but she's like super into it. 
So she says, what is, I want everyone to go around the table and talk about the thing that they read the most about or find themselves like watching TV Mm. about or documentaries or whatever that has nothing to do with what they do for a living. Okay. And it was such a good, like just out of the, totally out of the blue question. Totally. And I learned so much about my family that I had no idea. Oh, so my other sister-in-law was like, I read about nutrition all the time. I was like, really? Tell me more. I had no idea. <laughs> and like my brother, of course, he you know reads about like politics and geography or whatever. But it's just the the, the concept of like we're so in like the everyday all the time uh-huh. that you don't ask kind of these bigger questions. Totally. And so I started using that. My my tips you can use situation here is I was standing in line with my niece and nephew the other day, mm. waiting in line with kids. Never a good scenario. Yeah. And I was like, let's play <laughs> questions. And they were like, ooh, what's questions? I was like, so you just ask questions. Just you wait. <laughs> it's pretty easy. But you can ask, like, you know, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? What if you could only wear one color for the rest of your life? Mm. These are the questions I got, even wow. on your wedding day. What if you could only eat one type of food for the rest of your life? So you can, you know, scale it to what, totally. who you're talking to. But I'll tell you what, the time in line, like, flew by because everyone was doing these, like, funny questions. Totally. It's the ultimate icebreaker. Ultimate icebreaker. So I know it kind of sounds stupid, but I... The, the number of times this thing has saved me in awkward scenarios, uh-huh. I can't count. Well, Megan, I mean, I got a question for you. Uh, <laughs> What's your qu- question? Question. What do you like reading about most that's not related to work? Okay, it's marine biology. Wow. Like just porpoises and whales and, and such? <laughs> yes. Starfish. I mean, I think everybody has the thing they're super geeky about, uh-huh. right? Or maybe more than one thing. And mine is... I really wanted to be a marine biologist, and when I was a kid, I read, like, every book I could get my hands on about whales. I was super into whales. <gasps> and so even now, like, even on Twitter, all the stuff I kind of subscribe to that is not having to do with journalism or right, right, our right. area, mm. it just it makes me happy to, like, have little whale facts or little, you know, marine biology facts. So I follow all these guys at, like, Nat Geo Whoa. and at, um, I don't know. I mean, there's a million different just places. Like ocean photographers and stuff like that yeah i mean i did this whole whale series for wtop a couple years ago because they opened oh my god it was so cool they showed me this whale skull that they have at the smithsonian and i got to go like in the bowels of the smithsonian natural history museum that's awesome it was i mean i talked about it for months so it is related to work (laughs) just kidding that's true well i I did kind of meld my (laughs) passions there okay so what's yours oh well right now it's not an overarching thing but i'm super obsessed with camper vans I, like, can't stop reading about them, going on forums, watching YouTube videos. Of how to, like, retrofit a van to how be to a How to retrofit a van or just, you know, all out purchasing a camper van. Is it worth it? Is it worth the money to, like, you know, do it? Are you going to save on hotels? If you're going to travel for the next 20 years, what's what's really, you know, the Wow, you really have game? to have a good travel no, partner. No, I've got an Excel sheet, you know, trying to figure out if it's worth it. I've got, like, five camper options, you know. Oh, I, you're, like, like, whittling it down. Oh, totally. Now, will I ever buy a camper van? I don't know, but I like I just, yes. I just right now I am so deep into all these YouTube channels, blogs, just articles about you know camper vans. Listen, at dinner the next time you go out with a friend or a you know an uncle or something, you know one of those. Hey, I'm in town. I want to go grab a drink with you, and you're like, oh, what do we have to talk about? Boom. Questions. I'm telling you, it's gonna save you. That's news you can use. And that'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. <laughs> we are brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show when you get the chance. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can find out more about this podcast at dmvdownload.com and check us out on all of our social media channels. We're posting all the time. 
The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a great Tuesday night.